I will everybody said about the bird. Hi, and welcome to GradCast, from Western to the World. We are the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. Uh, I'm, your, I'm your host, Ariel Frame, here with uh, our co-host, Charlotte Panetton. There you go. <laughs> She'll say it better. Panetton. Panetton. Uh, and we're interviewing uh, my good friend, Chloe Carter, who's also in the neuroscience program with me. Hi, hi Chloe. Hello. Um, Chloe is doing some work with birds, and she's excited to tell us about it. Um, Chloe, can you tell us uh, just generally what your work is about and uh, who, who your supervisors are? Right. Uh, my supervisor is Dr. Scott McDougall-Shackleton. Um, I'm in the Advanced Facility for Avian Research, so it's a little bit strange for a neuroscience student, um, but I'm looking at how predator perception, uh, birds respond to predator perception and threat uh, through behavioral and um, hormonal responses, basically. Cool. Hormones. Um, I guess the first thing that comes up is birds have hormones. <laughs> well, what, okay, so what do, we, what do we mean by hormones? And uh, uh, when I think hormones in humans, I'm thinking, like, you, you go through puberty and there's <laughs> hormones everywhere. Do birds have the same thing? What, what, are, what are hormones? in this case? <laughs> well, that's a very specific question. Um, well, birds do have hormones, um, just like people have hormones. Uh, so the hormone that I'm specifically looking at is uh, CORT for short um, and corticosterone for not short. <laughs> um, humans have CORT um, as cortisol. And so say you're in an environment like you're really stressed out, you're taking an exam, it's a pretty relevant example. Um, this hormone will be going through your blood. Um, it has effects on your brain and what you're doing. Um, and then birds also have this hormone. Um, and so I try and take blood samples of that to get a measure of how, say, stressed or, you know, what their response is to something, how fearful they are of that stimuli. So, so this hormone is kind of like the fear-signifying hormone. It's not the only one, but it's kind of colloquially is thought of that way, yes. And it's the one that you've isolated for your study. Yes. Okay. Yep. Cool. Okay. So so you've got these birds and they are, you can gauge how kind of fearful sort of they are or fear slash stress they are by looking at this particular hormone we call court. Yes. Um, so what, what, what interests you in determining whether they're stressed or not? Why would, why would it matter whether they're more or less stressed? Um, so that kind of goes into what my one part of my study is in larger part. Um, so I look at how they respond to different cues of predators and non-predators. Um, and so I'm looking at auditory cues, so something that they hear. Uh, so say a hawk call is very fearful or very stress-invoking to a bird, um, and a duck call shouldn't be, but they're both at the same kind of decibel level. So if it was just the sound itself scaring them, then I can kind of control for that. But hopefully the predator call will be more stressful for them, and I can measure that in court and their behavior uh, through videos. Or another, the two other aspects I'm looking at are 
uh, olfaction, so what the birds can smell. And um, the other one is visual, so visual cues of taxidermized uh, specimens from the BGS. (laughs) Taxidermized? Yeah, so just like um, taxidermy, so like uh, people get deer done in taxidermy. Um, but I have little hawks and pigeons and robins and things. So they're not alive, but they look realistic to the birds. Like they're not just like flat skins. They're kind of lifelike. And I put those near the birds and see how they respond to a visual cue, like uh, like little hawk that's put near them. Hmm. So you're spooking the birds and then figuring out what exactly is the reaction to that. Yeah, so I'm kind of, um, one of the big parts is people haven't really looked into olfaction. Like they've looked at all these, all three of these modalities separately. And modalities in, being a way of sensing? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so like a sensory system. So like um, it's just kind of an overall grouping of that. Okay. Um, but what was I going to say? <laughs> um, but then the olf- so olfaction and then this idea that they've, you, you, they've probably in the past, a lot of research has maybe been done more in these uh, hearing and then the seeing, but then this idea of smell hasn't been explored? Yeah, so they've looked into it a little bit, um, but uh, all the studies are really, really different. Um, okay. So they look at it in the wild, presenting it for um, how many eggs are being produced, um, or they're looking at it for court, but like nothing else, no behavioral assays to that effect. Um, so mine is kind of putting all, presenting everything in a similar environment in a similar way and seeing, you know, measuring everything exactly how I wanted it to be measured. Yeah. Um, because I'm in the neuroscience program, I had kind of hoped to just that the literature would all be there and I could just jump right into <laughs> brain stuff. And then I looked at it and I was like, wow, we don't actually know. Like, we know that birds can smell, um, but we don't know we know they avoid well, anything beyond that. You know, yeah, the basic we, details of some yeah. smells are great and some smells are not great. Yeah, so I'm just kind of seeing how the birds respond to that as kind of a baseline for the basic science of just knowing how they respond to stuff and then future stuff. And um, one of my undergrads is doing a thesis where he's kind of following up with some of the brain stuff, um, but it was just a lot to do in one master's. So oh, for sure. Yeah. So um. I think I'd heard that there was actually some controversy as to even whether whether birds could smell. So, like, apparently there were some schools of thought that, like, some fields that said, hey, you know, I don't think birds can smell. And then it was it's, it's kind of a recent thing that, that people are now can say, yeah, they can for sure smell, and here's what they can smell. Is that Was that right? Yeah, so it was, for a long time, it was thought that, like, birds just couldn't smell, so no one looked into it. Like, rats can smell really, really well, so all the olfaction work was done with rats, which I'm kind of using now as, like, my methodology, even though it's probably not comparable. Um, But then a lot of papers started coming out that, like, birds had uh, olfactory bulbs, and that, like, you know, birds like uh, vultures had larger ones, which makes sense because they have to smell rotting dead things, carcasses really far away. (laughs) And so they need to be able to smell that or sense it in some way. Um, Same with penguins. They can smell their food really, really far distances, even underwater. Um, And so it started to become, come into like the consciousness of bird research Mm. that like birds could smell. Um, And then we started trying to manipulate more subtle things, which is the stage that I'm in. Um, So people have looked at like scaring, like putting fearful stimuli 
near a nest box and seeing if birds will avoid it. Um, and so I'm kind of, that's a really behavioral measure. I'm hoping to get glean some like, you know, hormone stuff with the court and then also behavioral with how they respond in the videos that I'm taking. So then if you use the taxidermied animals for visual stimuli mm -hmm. and you might be using different sounds for the, um, like for hearing, yeah. then what do you use to necessarily test the olfaction? Uh, so good question. Uh, my lab mate warned me not to talk about how gross my study is at times. Do it. <laughs> um, so basically I take uh, cat and rabbit uh, feces, urine, and hair samples. Interesting. <laughs> um, and yeah, so it's pretty gross. <laughs> there, the some of the grossest literature I would vote that you can read is olfaction study stuff. Like it gets really gross. I've had tried to eat lunch afterwards, and I'm like, I can't do it. <laughs> no lunch for me today. Um, but yeah, so it's basically I get my lab mates. Um, people in my program to give me poop. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> they don't tell me that they left poop at my desk and it starts smelling really bad. And I'm like, what is what is wrong with my desk today? And it's then, okay, it's in the name of science. <laughs> exactly, yeah, so yeah, I handle everything with gloves so I'm not too gross myself, but you know, it's just nature of science. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta you gotta get dirty if you wanna make yes. a do a good do a good study. Yeah, that's okay. like the mark of a good study. The dirtier you get, the better it is. Noted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you get down in the dirt for this yes. for this study. Yeah. Um so I imagine um in order to to make it worth it, besides passion for, for science and, and progressing knowledge, uh you must really like birds <laughs> i do i do like birds a lot <laughs> so, so tell us like uh you know what got you interested in birds and why why are you so what what makes you so uh interested in birds yeah um so i would probably answer the my answer is twofold um the first would be just kind of those life documentaries david attenborough gonna give him shout out always <laughs> um but then I, <laughs> then i would say the secondary i would say um when I was in my undergrad, I, I worked with rats and did stress in rats in my undergrad, um, but I started to notice that I would, felt like I was kind of getting allergic to rats. So I kind of thought, oh man, I need to find like a different like animal model if I want to keep studying this that I don't get allergic to because rat allergies are really, really common um, to develop them and then you can't work with them anymore. Um, I wasn't at that point, but I was kind of getting a little worried. And so I, for a paper, I just was like, okay, I need to look at stress and I need to make it interesting. How about I just like look through as much like uh, bird literature as I can? And I started looking into it and I'm like, wow, birds are really smart. They can do so much and like they've been utilized in all these little ways that like as a rat researcher, I hadn't even thought about. I hadn't thought about all these like ecology models. And I thought, wow, this is so neat and interesting. And so then I kind of went all in <laughs> I just put all my chips into that and I thought I want to study this and this is the way I want to go <laughs> and then I um I imagine that maybe like uh, that might have influenced your decision to come here because 
the uh, uh, AFAR, yes. uh, avian, what does it sound for again? Advanced Facility for Avian Research. Right. So I remember when we came, I, I don't know, I think you might have been here for, maybe not for the, I came for an interview and that was like one of the stops on like the, the tour. And they were like, oh, we got this crazy research in, uh, facility for birds that people come from all over to use. And you have this like wind tunnel thing. So oh like this, this <laughs> apparently Western is pretty well known for their bird bird research. Yeah, it was built, I believe, in 2009. Um, but what I had heard when I was like kind of was telling all my uh, lab mates that I was interested in birds, they were saying, oh, the only bird research I know is like out west. And I thought, well, that's Alberta's kind of far. <laughs> like, I don't know if I can do that, leave my hometown from my undergrad and just like go out west. That seems a little bit scary to me. Um, but then I was looking around and all of a sudden I found, and there was a lot of stuff on the East Coast as well. And as I was looking for neuroscience programs and stuff that offered kind of different animal models, I stumbled upon AFAR and I thought this is like a huge wealth of information. And then I started looking into it more and I saw how much work they were doing. And then I contacted my supervisor, uh, who is my now supervisor. Um, and I was just like, oh, I'm really interested in like working with birds. And I had had a little bit of bird experience. Um, I went out in banded owls back in Peterborough, Ontario, where I'm from. And so I had like a teensy bit of experience and I was a little bit of a novice birder and he just kind of kind of took that as a, I had more experience than most people and kind of like took me in, <laughs> but yeah. That's awesome. I'm trying to reconcile this idea of a research lab, but then also a place with a, like a metric ton of birds. Um, <laughs> what does your everyday look like when you're working it with the birds in the lab? Um, so, Pretty much it's a daily <laughs> daily task, especially now that I'm running my study. Um, I have a, like a whole fleet of volunteers who have been like so helpful. Are the volunteers birds or, or people? <laughs> you could say That's both. <laughs> a, such a funny question. <laughs> uh, so yeah. I do have uh, people volunteers, so undergrads, <laughs> um, people, another lab mates. Sometimes they want to get experience and hands-on like practice taking care of birds. Uh, so we feed them, we give them water and they like clean water. Uh, we change their like paper underneath them. Uh, we make sure they're healthy and that if anything goes wrong, we contact the vets, um, same as pretty much everybody else. Um, and then I stay in my building and I take the birds I need for whatever day of study I'm doing. And I put them in their little chambers and I run whatever modality they're in. I run them through that, um, through my experiment, and then I take their blood and I put them back. <laughs> um, and then I, in the afternoon, usually I run my memory study. Uh, so I train birds to go to little, little holes on ch artificial trees, um, and then I'm training them so that I can hopefully run my study on them as well as long as they train up well. <laughs> okay, so you're you're as soon as like this idea, this study of. Um the modalities and, and uh, stress reactions uh, is done, then you want to move towards memory. Yeah, so I'm kind of trying to run them concurrently. Okay. Just right now, some of my birds aren't learning as well as I had hoped they would. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Minor it's, setback. It's, it's taking longer than I thought. I did run uh, some pilot birds. Uh, so initially what I wanted was I'm training. <laughs> yes, pilot birds is a funny <laughs> concept. Um, so I, I initially wanted, because... Um, so there's two kinds of memory studies. A lot of it is done with like caching. So the bird takes food and puts it in a hole itself. 
but that's pretty variable because it depends on what the bird's feeling like that day, whether it wants to cash one seed or if it wants to cash eight. And I really wanted the, that number to be consistent. Right. So I myself cash things for them to find so that they get rewards when they go to eight specific little holes. And then as they get better, they only go to those eight specific ones. And then in my pilot study, I wanted to see how long they could remember it. Uh, so they could remember it above chance for one week and two weeks as well as four weeks okay and so i'm going to be running a little bit cool. just for interest sake i'm going to see if they can remember it for longer than that but it, that was kind of my pilot that time is not the forgetting factor there it's going to be my experimental manipulation later on okay. wow like a month so like a month later they'll know where all eight of those yeah they their performance drops off like they perform when i test them the first time they usually perform about 100 percent. like they get like their accuracy so they go to all eight that they're supposed to and they don't get any wrong ones and then it kind of for the after a week or after two weeks it kind of drops off to about 56 percent, whereas chance for them is about 33 um, but then it kind of plateaus for another, like, either a week or another two weeks. And they just kind of, like, so it's a deep <laughs> a deep forgetting kind of or inaccuracy. They search more wrong holes, and then it just kind of plateaus off where they don't forget for quite a while, which is interesting. Um, so uh, just to backtrack just a tiny bit. So you'd mentioned you're from Peterborough. Yes. Um, and I'm from I'm from BC, and when I came here, people were always mentioning I'm from here, I'm from there, and there's this city and that. There's a lot of uh, Toronto's. I mean, Ontario's really big, and there's a yes. lot of little cities all over the place that everyone seems to know, and I didn't know any of them. So I don't know really anything about Peterborough uh, uh, other than what you've told me. Mm -hmm. So could you maybe like say uh, what was it like to come to London, Ontario, from Peterborough? Oh, I like it a lot. <laughs> um, so Peterborough is pretty small. It's only about 74,000 people. Um, it does have a lot of schools. It has a university and a college. So, like, I'm used to being kind of in a... Which university? Uh, Trent University. Okay. That's where I did my uh, Bachelor of Science. Um, and so I've always felt like college town. Like, I know what that feels like. But when I came to London, I was just so amazed with, like, you know, all the artists that came here and all the events that would, like, come to you because you're in a bigger city. Like, it just blows my mind sometimes like oh people actually want to come here <laughs> um and just like the amount of box stores that are everywhere like every store you could possibly imagine is somewhere in london if you just like want to hunt it down which was also kind of weird to me because we only had like one or two malls um so it's just it's been it's been a change but it feels it's not too unsettling because i'm still ontario and i still understand pretty much how ontario works but yeah it's definitely a bigger city but I mostly stay in the, like, Western <laughs> bubble for the, the most bubble. part. It's a safe place. Well, yeah, no, we certainly have our bubble. And it's uh, from every every institution I've been to since, you know, throughout my uh, academic career, uh, have had the same bubble. Like, every school kind of has that, especially the bigger the, bigger the bubble, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Trent didn't really have that because it's uh, pretty far on the edge of town. Uh, uh, but I, had, I grew up in Peterborough also, so, like, I already knew that about Trent. Um, so it's about a 20-minute walk to a bus that's 20 minutes out of town, like it takes you out of town. So yeah. it's, it was pretty separated. Um, and so that's been kind of different that like it's like a whole – I was amazed when I moved here. I'm like, so there's like downtown, and then there's like 
western like the western town. part of the city <laughs> yeah like western town and like downtown it looks like two little cities on like one map and is considered one city and i thought that was really neat when i moved here um and i yeah, still I think had it's that pretty same reaction <laughs> when i moved here it's like one part of the city is like student and then one part of the city is normal and then even <laughs> at western you've got like these little bubbles for different faculties like science yeah. side and then like fims is at one port and I- <laughs> ivy's in another and then, um, but do you think there's at Western, like as how, how have you been able to integrate into graduate student life? I, th- I would say pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to think that of myself. Um, so I got involved in uh, SOGS. So I think everyone the pretty Society much knows. Of graduate students. <laughs> everyone should know what that is. They represent you <laughs> um, as the neuroscience rep. Um, so I did that last year and I just got another position for this year to continue doing that, um, bringing people updates from the committee and what we vote on and issues that are important to students. Um, and through that committee, I was able to kind of be made aware of like other little subcommittees. And like the more you know about committees, the more you kind of are like, oh, I could join that. That doesn't sound like it'd be too much of like, a time, like wouldn't take up too much of my time and it would be like kind of fun and interesting. Um, yeah, so I joined a couple different committees like that, just like through songs, them being like, oh, we need people, and then joining them. Um, so I found that was a really good way to like integrate myself out of AFAR for a little bit. <laughs> Part of my day goes somewhere else on campus. you got to interact with things other than birds. Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> In in my undergrad, I didn't get involved in anything at all. Like, I... I I could have been in another another school. It didn't matter. There was not like this. There was not a pride for my school. I just went to the school, did my stuff. Sometimes I would meet with other students to study and then go home and do my own thing. You I know? don't know how people do that. <laughs> so I, I did that during my undergrad. And when I came here as a graduate student, I said, you know, when I began, I said, you know what? Um, I didn't do any of that in my undergrad. Um, I'm going to be here a while. Let me, let me get involved. I'm going to start getting involved in a lot of things. And I'm on a number of committees. And I think... Including pe- GradCast. <laughs> <laughs> including this committee that we're uh, on, that I'm on. Um, and uh, I think now people have seen, they're like, oh, you're involved in a lot of things. So I'm getting involved in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm wondering if you were involved in things in your undergrad and uh, what, uh, what do you think, how valuable do you think it is for graduate students to get involved in committees? Yeah, so I think it's really valuable. I kind of, as the same way I say funding, I would say of like community involvement, like involvement begets involvement because like the more you do stuff, the more you're like, oh, I kind of like all these people and I like doing things. And then you kind of just get like roped into stuff and you're like, oh yeah, I like committees. Um, But yeah, you get to meet a lot of really interesting people like uh, through the graduate student teaching assistant award (laughs) committee that I was on and the chair of for in May I met like so many new students from so many different faculties and then I also got to read all of the nominations of everyone so I started knowing all these people by their names (laughs) and then when we had the award dinner I saw these people and I was like oh you're that person I sent so many emails to and so then you start putting all these names to faces and you know you just start to feel a lot more involved like in Western and you're like, even if people don't know who you are, you're like, oh, I know you, you're on SOGS and you like say a lot of stuff that I agree with, like that's fun. And you see them around campus and you're like, I don't know if I should wave, but I know who you are. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I think that uh, I, I totally, totally agree with you. Uh, I found that 
in addition to like just wanting to be get involved with the school and be more engaged uh, um, as a student at Western when I came here I also because I moved across the country to come here um, I wanted to find another social outlet and I found that like being part of Gradcast has been really good and you know um, same for me <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a good committee we're a super fun social committee uh, super engaged so we are actually recruiting for hosts if anyone's out there interested you can you can join us by emailing us at gradcastradio at gmail.com. <laughs> There's the plug. <laughs> you could There's be on plug. this side of the headphones. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you could be where Chloe's sitting or you could be where I'm sitting. Uh, those positions are available. Um, I actually have a question yeah. in terms of, so if as a second year master's student, I mm-hmm. imagine that you'll be finishing by the end of next semester? Yeah. Uh, or maybe August. that might be your intention. Okay, yeah. August. Yeah. And so uh, once you've brought this project together so once you've you're i guess you're finishing with the um stress study mm-hmm. moving forward with your memory study and then what comes after that uh doing the court analysis i still need to uh run that because you need i need to run them all together um so i need to i have it all pretty much collected um i just need to run it and then be the writing and stats time <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> um and then making sure like yeah, probably finishing up the memory stuff and then moving into kind of tying it all nice together, pre- getting posters together. I'm thinking about doing 3MT this year. Um, what so, is 3MT? Uh, Three-minute thesis. Oh, uh, They cool. have competitions. Yeah, a lot of my lab mates usually do it because um, it's kind of fun to just – there's a lot of biomedical stuff that goes in, and then it's just nice to throw in some bird stuff just to, like, <laughs> give some variety to the listeners. Are you tired of hearing about these antibodies? Let me talk to you about birds. Exactly. You know, definitely hooks them well, there's in. Well, different, there's different um, subgroups, so um, uh, if anyone's interested in doing it, like, if you go in to do your three-minute thesis that I, I did as well, mm-hmm. you can go in, like, the um, – biology competition or you can go in the Schulich which is like more medical competition Mm -hmm. or there's other ones for like social studies of sorts as well um so yeah yeah, if you're worried that you're going to get lost in the medical stuff uh, (laughs) you can just sign up for the different heats that's what they call them and then the winners will go to provincial and you can actually get like kind of a pretty pretty prestigious award if you win the whole thing actually well then if you enter the three minute thesis uh, good luck to you thank you <laughs> and yeah. uh, do you see a phd at the uh, at the <laughs> end of this asking or? the hard questions yeah okay. i mean i mean you know when you're that involved in th- that sort of research yeah so i'd see it eventually i don't think i'm not gonna just go right into it okay. uh, mostly just need a break maybe <laughs> make some Real, real world friends. money. <laughs> Non-bird <laughs> friends and money. It's yeah. two good so, things. So Probably go- write some stuff up. <laughs> going forward for anyone who's <clears throat> uh, interested in you and your yeah. work and maybe wanting to work with you after you're done your master's, mm-hmm. uh, if they want to follow up, uh, where can they get a hold of you? How, how can they find out about your work? Uh, the easiest place where I promote the most amount of science and myself is uh, on Twitter. Um, my Twitter name is just Chloe Carter um, or at... Chloe S.N. Carter. Um, also, AFAR has a Facebook group. Um, if you wanted to follow any just bird stuff, we do a lot of migration studies. Uh, Are there a lot pictures of, of birds? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we post pictures of our birds. Then um, it's <laughs> yeah, and like about birds and climate change, just little like fun bird factoids. Um, yeah. And okay. then that's on Facebook? Yes. Just okay. if you AFAR. Type, yeah, or Advanced Facility for Avian Research on Facebook. Well then. It's okay. pretty much the only thing that comes up. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I'm sure um, you're going to be seeing some 
hashtags <laughs> sent your way very soon. I'm not obviously not that Twitter savvy, but <laughs> people will. Yes, the people hashtags. will be getting a hold Thanks. of you. So uh, we're uh, just about out of time. So uh, thanks, Chloe, for coming on. This has been Gradcast, uh, the official radio show and podcast of the Society, Society of Graduate Students at Western University. Uh, we are aired. We air on CHRW 94.9 FM. Uh, you'd know that if you're listening at 6 p.m. on Tuesdays every week. Um, we can also be, you can download us, our podcast on any podcast provider. Just look up Gradcast. It's got a purple logo. It looks kind of cool. <laughs> um, uh, and if you want to just go to our website, you can get a hold of us there at gradcast.ca. All the episodes are available there. Like I mentioned earlier, if you want to be a host and join us or you want to be uh, sitting in the hot spot like Chloe was today, we had, we're had a good time um you can email us at gradcast uh gradcast radio at gmail.com and i think that's that's the show uh well thank you for having me <laughs> well thanks for coming on thanks everyone for listening.